Good morning, beautiful people of God. You're listening to Sunrise with Shona on Hot 1027, and it is wonderful to be back with you again this morning. I hope that you're warm and well, and I'm sure, like me, you can't believe that we're actually halfway through the year. I want to begin this morning by reading the collect that was set for today in the Anglican Church, because for me it encapsulates who God is, it encapsulates what the gospel is, and what the kingdom of God is, and it goes as follows. A God of freedom and love. God of freedom and love, you have set us free in Jesus Christ. Make us servants of the gospel for the sake of your reign, God, of love. So in other words, the kingdom of God is about love and we are set free in Jesus Christ. Now when we look in chapter 9, Luke chapter 9, there's a lot that's happening. So I just want to go through um, some of the salient points before I look at what it may mean for us and what it is to be a servant of the gospel. So To begin with, Jesus calls the twelve. That's the first part of chapter 9, Luke chapter 9, and he gives them authority and power to drive out demons. And he sends them out to do two things. Now this is already a hint of what it is for us to be servants of the gospel. He sends them out to proclaim the kingdom, as I've just said, that kingdom is a kingdom of love, and to heal the sick, and they are to go out with absolutely nothing. And so they're not to take things with them. They're not to take spare cash or spare food or spare clothes. They just go out proclaim the kingdom and heal the sick. It's quite a difficult thing to do, actually. Then in verse 10, Jesus feeds the 5,000. So here we have another miracle. The disciples have returned to Jesus after going out, and they're debriefing, if you like, with Jesus when they're interrupted by crowds who find them. And Jesus welcomes the crowds. He doesn't chase them away. He tells them about the kingdom of God, and we're told he healed those in need of healing. Then late in the afternoon, the disciples get very worried, and they go to Jesus and say, this is a remote place. Send the crowds away so that they can find something to eat and somewhere to stay. And Jesus says, you give them something to eat. Now you can just imagine 5,000 men, and then there were additional women and children, and they're told to feed them. So they say to Jesus, listen, we only have five loaves and two fish. Um, Must we go out and buy it? And for me, that's quite interesting because it means that Jesus did have some money. He wasn't completely poverty-stricken if they even thought they could go out and buy it. So 5,000 men, women, and children, Jesus just says, seat them all, and he blesses them. He blesses the food, and they eat, and at the end, there are 12 baskets filled with um, pieces that are left over. So everyone ate, all were satisfied, and there's leftovers. That's feeding the 5,000. Then we move to verse 18, and we find Jesus praying in private. And I like that because it's a hint that we need to pray in private. His disciples are with him and he asks them, who do people say I am? So here we have that famous thing where they say, some say you're John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say you're a prophet. And then he says, who do you say I am? And Peter, of course, answers and says, you are the Messiah. Moving to verse 21, Jesus predicts his death and explains the cost of discipleship to his disciples. Verse 28, we have the transfiguration. You see what I mean? This chapter is just filled with amazing events. Transfiguration, Jesus, Peter, James, and John climb the mountain. Jesus meets Moses and Elijah. He orders them not to say anything as they witness him being transfigured by the light. Um, And Elijah and Moses, we say Moses was for the, the law. Elijah was the prophet. They were helping Jesus prepare himself as he moved towards Jerusalem and his death. Then verse 37, Jesus heals a demon-possessed boy. Verse 43, Jesus predicts his death for the second time. And he says, listen to what I tell you. Listen to what I tell you. 
and he tells them that the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, but they don't understand. So as we know, right throughout, Jesus tries to prepare his disciples for what's coming, but they're not listening. And I think that's another little thing for us, to be careful that we listen to God and try to understand what's being said to us. I think sometimes Jesus is saying to me, just stop and listen. Listen to what I'm saying. Verse 51, there's Samaritan opposition to Jesus. We're not sure why, but Jesus resolutely sets out for Jerusalem, even though he knows what awaits him there, and the Samaritan village won't welcome him. The disciples want that village destroyed with fire and all sorts of things, but Jesus says no. And then he again teaches on the cost of discipleship, and he says, Foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to put his head. He says, someone someone comes to him and says, I just want to go and bury my father. He says, let the dead bury the dead. You must go out and proclaim the kingdom of God. And another man wants to go and say goodbye to his family, and Jesus says, I need to come first. And I'm obviously paraphrasing Jesus. He says, no, you can't go and say goodbye to your family. You need to be absolutely resolute in following me first. Um, and so what do we learn from all of this? I'm going to look at that in a moment. But first on the mighty hot 1027, Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I lift your name on high on the mighty hot 1027. Good morning. You're listening to Reverend Shona from St. Mark's Anglican Church. And it's great to be with you. This morning we've been looking at Luke chapter 9, and as I said, it's packed full of so much. I actually encourage you to go and read it for yourself and just spend time and see maybe what Jesus is saying to you. But I'm going to be looking at the kingdom of God, the cost of discipleship, and lastly I'm going to look at the blessing of discipleship. So let's look at the kingdom of God first. For me, it was about healing. We see that throughout. Jesus heals this one. Jesus heals that one. He sends his disciples out to heal. Um, it's about really seeking people and welcoming people, being a radically welcoming person. And we see Jesus, even when he's gone off with his disciples to be with them alone and the crowd find him, he welcomes them and he heals them and he teaches them. It's providing when necessary. We need to provide for people as he feeds the 5,000. It's also about having faith. The 12 have to go out just in faith with nothing um, to spread the good news and to heal people and to proclaim the kingdom of God. I think for me, it's also about not always understanding. Jesus predicts his death. He tries to help his disciples to understand what's coming, but they don't understand. But mostly God's kingdom for me is a kingdom of love, a huge love for all, for each and every one of us. God's kingdom for me is all about love, unconditional, radical love of God, who's constantly saying, come to me, come to me, I understand. Of course, following Jesus has a cost. And there is a discipline that's involved in it. Jesus prayed in private. That's a discipline. We need to spend time praying. We must spend time withdrawing, praying to God, listening to God, just being with God on our own. Jesus also doesn't respond to the rejection by the Samaritans. That's something that I find interesting. Um, whether they rejected him or whether he was so resolute on going forward to Jerusalem. But the truth is that in the flesh, when people reject us, it hurts. What we see here is Jesus doesn't behave like that at all. He says, leave them alone. And he goes on. And then lastly, when we look at the cost, we can look right at the end of chapter 9 where he's saying, if you follow me, you may not have a fixed abode. You may not have somewhere to lay your head down at night, a fixed bed, if you like. So you may have to move around. You may need to leave your family and you won't always be there when your family need them, need you to be there, such as burying his father. You may need to actually be somewhere else. You've got to put God first. And he says, 
we need to be resolute. Well, that's what I take from that. Firmly fixed um, on God as Jesus' gaze was firmly fixed on Jerusalem. So we need to be very sure that this is a path we want to follow and then follow it resolutely, even if it becomes uncomfortable or we have to um, let go of some of the things that we like within our lives. But, of course, we will be filled with power from on high, God's Holy Spirit. And when he sends out those disciples, the 12 of them, two by two, they go out and they are filled. He gives them the authority then to preach the gospel and to heal the sick and to cast out demons. So they are given the power to do that. When we follow God, we are given God's power. Just as a quick aside, I, I've just seen how God does restore over and over and over again in my life. So I know that I, I came from a big family and I wanted a big family. And I had two children and then for various reasons, that was all we had. And then God gave me the Darson youth and I had about 90 children. So sometimes we think it's a sacrifice that we're making when in fact God blesses us abundantly even in that same area, just in a different way. So that I just say that quickly, so that we see it's not all doom and gloom following Jesus, it's not all about hardship and sacrifice, but we are filled with the power of God to do and to be equipped to do what we need to do. But we're also blessed abundantly by God. And I'm going to look at that next. But first, coming up on the Mighty Hot 1027, As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. And this is one of my favorites. As the deer pants for the water on the mighty hot 1027, good morning. This is Sunrise with Shona, and it's so good to be with you. We're looking at Luke chapter 9, and I've looked at the kingdom of God, what the kingdom of God is for me, a kingdom of love. I've looked at the cost of discipleship, how not everything will be as secure and safe as perhaps we would like, but how there are blessings. And now I want to look more at the blessings of discipleship. So let's look then at what we told. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. That's what we're told. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. This is Galatians 5. It's also one of the readings set for today. So Galatians 5, we told that. Verse 13. You may be brothers and sisters and you were called to be set free. But don't let your freedom help you to indulge the flesh, but rather serve one another humbly in love. The entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So here again, it's pushing towards how it is a kingdom of love and how, how we conduct ourselves in this kingdom of love is that we need to embrace the loving nature of God, and extend that to others. And then verse 22, we told about the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These fruits become evident within our lives when we walk with God. It's one of the blessings of being with God. So yes, we do have to make some sacrifices if we choose to follow Jesus, and they can be hard. We are also called to proclaim the kingdom of God, the kingdom of love, but... Firstly, as I said, we are gifted with the Holy Spirit, which gives us a permanent presence of God. God's affirming will for us is part and parcel of our lives, and we have the dynamic power of God residing within us. And we see this in Luke chapter 9, when we see so much happening, even with the 12 disciples, not just with Jesus. 
and we are gifted freedom through Jesus Christ. And for me, that freedom is a freedom from envy, greed, malice, hatred, bitterness. It's a freedom from a punitive spirit. It's a freedom to live this life and enjoy the fruits of the spirit being manifest within our lives and those around us. It's a freedom to truly embrace each day as a gift from God and to go out and to try and be a gift to others as God works in and through us. And so for me, we set free from slavery, slavery to worldly things. This does not mean that we should have nothing, but it does mean that it shouldn't be a priority in our lives and it shouldn't enslave us. When I think about possessions, actually, whenever I go away and you think, oh, I wonder if someone will break in, you wonder if this will happen, you wonder if that will happen, sometimes possessions can enslave us and you don't want to go away because of that. And I think being in Christ gives us a freedom from that. We can also have a slavery to perhaps um, Facebook, media, TV, um, retail therapy, going shopping, food, alcohol, drugs. Those are all the things that can enslave us. And in Jesus, we are set free. And the blessing is eternal life that for me begins now. And we have a life blessed, as I said, with the fruits of the Spirit empowered by the Spirit of God. So that to me is the most amazing blessing is that we journey with God in God, one with God through Jesus Christ, through the power of the indwelling spirit, and that we have a life that will then be filled with the fruits of the spirit. And so I pray that you have a wonderful, wonderful week. May God bless you and protect you and those you love and pray for. And to wrap up this morning, shout to the Lord and blessed assurance. God bless.